Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I am still, still Hammond Chamberlain. <laughs> uh, and uh, today we are going to be looking at a band, a band that uh, people probably remember from uh, their early stuff, the uh, late 80s stuff. And if you're lucky, you know them from more recent stuff. And we'll talk about uh, what that all is, but it all started with a a Leonard Nimoy soundbite from Star Trek, Pure Energy, and evolved into a band called the Information Society. If they were formed today, they'd be the Misinformation Society. <laughs> it's good. I like that. Yeah. Very good. See, I told you it was worth waiting for. It was worth waiting for. You, the inside baseball, Hammond told me he had a he had a joke, and I I was waiting for it. Didn't realize they'd get it so quickly. Yeah, so Information Society, uh, a band that was formed in Minneapolis, St. Paul in 1982. The group was primarily, or has been primarily, Kurt Harland, Larden, Paul Robb, and James Cassidy. When they first started, they performed avant-garde electronic music with hints of hip-hop, dub, and electro. And the name was partially chosen after a term in the novel 1984. I did not know that. That makes sense. I didn't know either. Now that they... When I wrote it, I, I was donned, and now I've remembered redonned because I'd forgotten since I did these notes so long ago. <laughs> it's been a while since you've done these notes. Uh, the Information Society EP, the Insoc EP, 1983, and Creatures of Influence in 1984 were their first independent releases. Two years later, Running was released as a single and became a hit in New York City clubs. The vocalist on the album was Murat Konar, who left the band shortly after the single was released. Whoops. The first album was called Information Society, self-titled album 1988. The first single, Walking Away, and this was their first big label debut on Tommy Boy Records. to think that Walking Away and Running came out before Pure Energy because Pure Energy <laughs> took over. <laughs> well, you had to be walking away before you learned to run. No, there's some phrase. There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. But uh, but yeah, no, you, you'd think, for me anyway, the Pure Energy single was so huge that I wouldn't have believed that there was anything that came out before that. There was such a breakthrough. And uh, to hear that they were actually pretty pretty big with clubs beforehand is uh, surprising. That song, by the way, that we mentioned, What's On Your Mind, or Pure Energy, was their first breakthrough hit. The single's ballad, Repetition, also hit, or the album's ballad, Repetition, also hit on the top 100 at number 76. And a fourth single, a cover of Lay All Your Love On Me, also charted the fourth single. And that one charted in the top 100. And we played the, the snot out of that album at the Divey Tower Dance Club. Did you really? Oh my gosh! I, I had only ever heard uh, "What's on, on Your Mind," "Pure Energy," and so when I started going through this, and I'll just say right now that I really enjoyed this week. Uh, when I started going through it, and I realized, oh my god, they've done 
they didn't ABBA cover? Why did I never know this? It just got me so excited for the rest of their music. And that was on the first album yeah. I got excited. So, No, we we did uh, Repetition was played all the time, Running uh, or Running Away, Pure Energy. Uh, that whole album got our DJs played this not at that thing. That's great. Well, I can see why. It's a really, it's a really, really good album. The aforementioned Star Trek samples were cleared legally because Adam Nimoy, a son of Leonard, was a fan. And the initial pressing sold out in two weeks and reached number 25 on the album charts. After that, they released a single anonymously containing two tracks from their upcoming album. And they even contributed an instrumental track to the classic film, Earth Girls Are Easy, <laughs> featuring the non-downtown Julie Brown. <laughs> It was the one that, that, that Julie Brown's one that did the Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun song, right? That is. Yeah, that's absolutely who that is. And that movie also featured a young Jeff Goldblum and a young Jim Carrey and uh, a young Damon Wayans. Like it was, there were a lot of names on there of people who either we hadn't seen much of yet or or had just barely seen anything from yet. And the movie, it's funny, the movie's not great, even though the cast turned out to be excellent. Yeah, it falls for me in that kind of weird uh, Night of the Comet kind of area where it's like, all right, we'll probably get some really good things from these people later on. And But there's kind of a culty kind of status. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a culty thing uh, with this one. In 1990, they released the album Hack. This didn't do as well as their first album did, but did have one top 40 hit with Think. number five on the dance charts. Adamant directed the video for How Long and Now That I Have You was also released as a single. But they didn't drink and they didn't smoke. What did they do? <laughs> you know, I like Adamant. I feel like he'd be an unusual guy to work with, like on, as a producer or as a video director. He'd he comes across as very intense. I feel like I'd need, I need, I don't drink, but I feel like I'd need a drink after working with him. I think so. The next album was 1992's Peace and Love Incorporated. No, no Ringo Starr covers on that album. Uh, it was critically uh, praised and was well received by fans. However, the label did almost nothing to produce or to promote the album. It was produced by Carl Bartos of Kraftwerk. And the title track was on the dance charts for a while. contain modem tones that connected the user's computer to get a message from the group. <laughs> Very innovative. Yeah, and and something that uh, kids today would have no idea oh, what to no. do with and wouldn't yeah, even work. For sure. Wouldn't even work, right? Because we don't have those kind of modems that do phone lines anymore and stuff. And Or, you know, I mean, basically, it really was in 1992 like a URL, like you're the band was giving them a URL yeah, it inside was, the it, album. It was the QR code of, of the time. Even a better comparison. Yes. QR code is an even better comparison. 1997, Don't Be Afraid, their next album came out. This was written by Kurt Harland alone and produced by Steven Siebold. 
There's a nice cover of Our Friends Electric by uh, Tubeway Army, which was Gary Newman's band. Off my walls. He did cars, right? He did indeed do cars. Okay. This was more industrial in tone. It was released by Cleopatra Records, but they did also did a little to promote it. It's kind of a a recurring theme for these last couple albums. This album contains CD-ROM content of bonus material, also kind of ahead of the game, right? These guys are always on the cutting edge. Samples used on the album were on the CD-ROM and art by fans. It also had the graphic program used to make the album art and video for Peace and Love Incorporated. So at this time, let's see. I think I bought the Horde Festival CD-ROM concert yeah. thing in 97. Did you get the Peter Gabriel? Was it uh, no, Womad? Like he released a CD-ROM thing that let you remix tracks from... So, not so, up? No, what was his uh, his second two-letter word album? Two-letter? Uh, Be, us. me, boy, us. us. Us, yes, us. That's us. it. Us. Yeah, he he released a, uh, a CD-ROM, like a bunch of software that would let you interact with his music. There was like a, a Dactyl Nightmare style walkthrough or something, and you could remix songs. Oh wow! And then when did uh, when did Iron Maiden album come out with the video game attached? Oh, to with it? the video game. Yeah, we talked about that uh, for the the Iron Maiden show. I don't remember the date, the year on that. But I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere in there. Because I was, was also at the right jail that. when it came out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You like hearing about these bands that you know that do these cutting edge kind of things. Yeah. I, and Information Society feels like. Feels like one of those bands that absolutely should and did. Uh, there was also a digital scavenger hunt culminating in the discovery of a bonus track called White Roses. And a couple of years later in 1999, there was a remix album released called uh, Information Society Recombinant. This contained an unadvertised CD-ROM, which had videos that had been previously released. Also, I think Primus released an EP that had a bunch of digital content on it as well. Uh, the Residents, too, had a freak show. DVD that you could get that was CD-ROM. Right, right, right. Uh, and had, like it was a CD-ROM of, of games and uh, music videos and stuff. It was all, you know, all that stuff back then, or a lot of it was HyperCard and SuperCard stacks mm-hmm. just built in these. Uh, it was great. Or what the was that? What was that, that early, early web stuff? Shockwave? Shockwave, Real Player. Yeah, well, Shockwave, yeah, was was basically Macromedia Flash back when it was... Uh, Aldous Flash or no I guess Macromedia was before Adobe yeah some weird stuff times have changed yeah they have in 2001 Strange Haircuts Cardboard Guitars and Computer Samples including all of the hits oh was a a release that included all the hits from 1988 to 1992 and for those of you who don't understand the reference that was what was in their first video the Pure Energy video had them running around with Strange Haircuts Cardboard Guitars and the Computer Samples that was all reference to that first video they'd made I did not make that connection, so I'm glad you explained it. <laughs> In 2004, Cleopatra Records released a compilation called Pure Energy. Uh, Rob called the album an, an insult to both the fans and the band. It contained uh, remixes and tracks from Don't Be Afraid. The band appeared on VH1's Bands Reunited. There are differing reports about how the experience was for the band and how it was portrayed on the show. 
technically, I guess it did work because Paul Robb and James Cassidy did get back together. Kurt Harland only participated with vocals on one track, and Christopher Anton took over the role of vocalist. So on that Bands Reunited show, there's a lot of reports about how that was kind of a nightmare for both the bands and the people working on the show. I believe it, not just for Information Society, but for a lot of them. Like, I know Berlin, there were some issues. Squeeze, I want to say, didn't they do one for Squeeze? And Squeeze technically hadn't even really broken up or separated. Yeah, there were a couple like that. Then they did, there were a couple of metal album or metal bands and hair metal bands and didn't go well with that either. I mean, it was weird. Yeah, it was really weird. I think, you know, there's potential, a potential for this, but it, it just feels like it was a, Badly executed thing. I think someone said, ooh, this is a good idea. And then didn't follow through with the idea of let's contact these people and see if they actually want to be reunited. Right. Yeah. So Kurt Harlan said that he detailed his own negative experience with the program, how his experiences differed from the portrayal as broadcast, citing examples of misinformation misinformation society, (laughs) poor background research and manipulation from the show's production crew regarding the show to have been more interested in sensationalizing his band's breakup than an actual genuine uh, reunion. Interesting. Over the course of the seasons that they, they did the show, they did ABC, The Alarm, The Beat, Berlin, Dramarama, Extreme. I didn't realize Extreme did it. Flock of Seagulls, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, uh, Haircut 100, Information Society, Kajagugu, Climax, The Motels, New Kids on the Block, Romeo Void, Scandal, Squeeze, and Vixen. We need to cover Vixen on the show. <laughs> I guess we do. The, the Squeeze thing, so I'm looking at right now, they did not reunite after lead vocalist guitarist Glenn Tilburg expressed reservations, even though they, like Squeeze, completely reunited. Drummer Dilson Levis wasn't able to commit to it. Jules Holland refused to participate uh, oddly, after Holland declined, the show didn't pursue any of the keyboardists who had replaced Holland during the band's original tenure. Paul Carrick, Don Snow, or Steve Naive. The squeeze reformed in 2007 with a revised lineup, including the original members Chris Differ and Glenn Tilbrook and early 80s bassist John Bentley. So they they did <laughs> they did reunite. In spite um, of the show, they got together. In spite of the show. Exactly. Yeah. In 2007, they released Oscillator. This was an EP that was an internet-only release first, and then it was released commercially afterwards. There's a lot of... I found there were a lot of albums that were remixes of the entire previous album, Mm -hmm. right? So you'd get a studio album, and then you'd get followed up with another album that... And the only way to tell initially before you started listening to it and realizing it was the, the album cover looked like a a new version of the previous album. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's the same thing. Okay, cool. 2007, they released Synthesizer. After this release, they went on a short tour. But the the album for me had a very Depeche Mode feel to a few of the songs. And I think that Christopher Anton's vocal was the was the big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you play a clip from Free here, it's, you know, people hear how weirdly Dave Gahan-like it sounds. You could That said, I enjoyed this a lot more than the industrial vibe of Don't Be Afraid. This this was a 
a really good return to form for me. Yeah, I didn't enjoy the Cleopatra stuff either. I feel like they were being forced to have a sound that I don't yeah. even think they wanted to do. Probably, yeah. Uh, it might have led to the breakup. Yeah. Yeah, as that stuff kind of usually does. They commissioned 8-Bit Weapon, a chiptune artist, to remix I Like the Way You Work It. Commodore 64 and a Game Boy to do it. And a Game Boy. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, sadly, not a cover of the song by Blackstreet. <laughs> but the Game Boy, I know a lot of people, I've interviewed a lot of people like the uh, yeah, I Fight Dragons guys, and yeah. there are a few others oh, that yeah. use the, the Game Boy as a compositional tool still to this day. Even outside of chiptunes, it produces a really nice, like, complimentary sound. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's, I think it's cool hearing when bands do that. In 2014, they released Modulator. This was the an EP that contained remixes of songs from Synthesizer. 2009 saw the release of a video, It Is Useless to Resist Us, 25 Years of Information Society, all their music videos up to that point. And in 2014, they released Hello World. Not a, not a riff on the Apple commercials, although... It might have been. Basically a riff on, on every programming, first everybody's first uh, program that they write for a new programming language. This album featured the old Harlan Cassidy Rob lineup uh, for the first time since 1992. And It Is Useless to Resist Us was also the name of their live album, uh, Information Society Live 2013. They followed that up with Land of the Blind in 2014. And then the next uh, two years after that, they released Order of Magnitude 2016. This album was an all-cover album featuring songs that originally done by Sisters of Mercy, Devo, Human League, and others. Uh, I'm sh- and it's funny, this is where I was inter- reintroduced to them. was actually, Same you here. played, you played one of their covers from this album, and then I went, they're still doing stuff? And then I, I went know. and got the album yeah. and worked my way back, and I, it was weird to think that they were still around because they're so rooted in 1988-89 for me. For me too. And um, this was a surprise to me and and I hadn't realized that they had all these albums in between that and and the first album. And uh, this was one I actually helped kickstart or not go fund me. What was it? There was like another one. Was that music one? Yeah. Well, that's Uh, the one it was, I think. Oh gosh. We looked it up a while back because we were talking about this. With the Alan Parsons project one that we, I was talking about. Pledge music. That's it. Pledge music. Pledge music. Music money. Uh, I wasn't too far off of music money. You weren't too far off of music money. Yeah. (laughs) Pledge music. Sadly, and sadly, pledge music just failed and really screwed a lot of bands out of money. Sadly, it's, it's, uh, it was a bummer to see that all happen. Yeah. It was interesting because a lot of the projects that I had backed on pledge music all of a sudden ended up on the band's own websites and it was kind Mm -hmm. of a pre-order so they could get the money so they could actually do the project kind of thing. And it was the same concept. It just, they had to run it on their own, which was just more time that the band had to do things other than create. You know, Kickstarter seems like the way to go going forward. Bands, if you're listening, do it there. Yep. (laughs) Uh, They also released an EP called Brothers, Sisters in 2016. And just last year, they released a brand new album, 
And that one was called, I listened to it and I, it was called Odd Fellows. And it was released uh, last year with, um, you know, during the, during the pandemic. And it's really good. It tells you how long ago I wrote these notes. I think so, right? I think you wrote it before this album came yeah, out. Just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure I did. Yeah. Great, great song on there called, Would You Like Me If I Played a Guitar? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a question many a guy has asked a girl at a campfire. For sure. 100%. Uh, Hammond, tell me some statistics uh, if we have any. Well, the, the only thing that I really, I mean, the only things that I really can say is that that, uh, that Pure Energy was and still is like this major iconic song. And it, it's kind of crossed over into not just dance clubs and places. It's kind of a cultural thing, especially yeah. with the Star Trek references in there. And then- They've released a bunch of compilations and remix albums from 1999 to 2015. And like Brian said, every time they released an album, it was like someone got a hold of it and remixed it and they released that too. So <laughs> if you don't like one version of the song, there are going to be other versions out there. There in are fact, going to be other versions. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, one of the one of the things about that first album was they kept releasing singles from it. And every single single, every single single, every, every release single single. had extra remixes and like one of them had this scratchy thing in the middle where the beat mixed the song and then dropped it into another song of theirs. And I remember our DJ used to pretend like he was doing the scratching, but really it was just built into the album. No way. Yeah. Really? So mm-hmm. he'd like act like he was doing uh-huh. it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. So love to see these guys in concert and related to that. It's time for us to pick our stairway to heaven song. It's going to be a struggle this time, Hammond. Uh, I can't imagine what song they'd be most known for playing in concert or what song they've played the most in concert, but what uh, what is our choice? So <laughs> I wrote in the notes, pure energy, yeah. duh. Duh, uh, 100%. <laughs> uh, pulled up, that was a little bit of a stall. But yeah, what's on your mind, pure energy, Thirty-eight times in concert. It looks like just basically every concert. Peace and Love Inc. Think Walking Away, Running, Repetition, Burning Bridges, How Long, and then that cover of Lay All Your Love on Me by ABBA as uh, their most played cover, rounding out the top ten. Beautiful World, which is a song that they recorded with um, Gerald Casale from Devo. They actually released it on. Did they release it on Hello World? That one got released or recorded before. Orders of Magnitude, which which is what surprised me that that for that cover album they didn't just include "Lay All Your Love on Me" and our friends Electric as well. well I think they but wanted they to do new covers. I think that was. I, mean, I feel like sometimes bands are like, "We've already covered them and we've already got that out there. Let's do new stuff." Well, yeah, but the Beautiful World song they released in 2014, uh, and true. and they just included that on the album. So. But no, not, hey, listen, not that I want them to just stay with covers they've, they've already done and re-release them. <laughs> Believe me, I'm, I'm very happy to see this. So there you go. That's their, um, their most played Stairway to Heaven song concert. I will say, too, that they continue to prove the point that an ABBA song is an ABBA song, no matter who covers it or who plays it. 
as soon as you hear it, you know it's an ABBA song. Yes. And no matter, this just kind of proves a point because they are kind of as far away from ABBA as you can get as far as <laughs> the way they do things. But yet it still is an ABBA tune at its heart. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there have been bands that have been able to put their own stamp on it, and I, I love it when they do that. But um, I mean, even Ghost, who did the minor I'm a Marionette and changed it to a minor key, it's still an ABBA song. It is still an ABBA song, yeah. Yeah, it's true. All right, let's talk about who we would like to hear the the band cover. Is this the one from uh, um, Go Lost ahead. Boys? Yeah, okay. That's a, it absolutely oh, wow. is. That's awesome. Holy yeah, cow. that would be so. My pick is "Cry Little Sister" from uh, Gerard McMahon, song that was recorded for the soundtrack to Lost Boys. the The thing that made me think of that was the vocals. The vocalist at times can remind me a little bit of the vocalist, for, uh, or remind me a little bit of Gerard McMahon. But what's cool about their version that they could do is that it would be instead of being sparse with a orchestrated chorus they could do some really cool building stuff and just have the song start out sparse and then they just keep adding on to it until it culminates in a hugely produced finale because I think they've got that that kind of style to them that would be really, really cool for that. that that's a, oh my gosh. And now I'm thinking like Toy Soldier. There's all those songs from that era oh, yeah. of time that sound that same way, that kind of haunting yeah. thing. Luca would be great. Luke would be a good one. Yeah, the, the the minor key kind of uh, darker songs, I think would be perfect for uh, that. Uh, what's the Shandy O'Connor song? Um, Nothing Compares Nothing to Compares You. Nothing Compares to You. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yep. So there you go. What, what have you got, Hammond? Uh, I picked Eye in the Sky by Alan Parsons Project. I think if they turned all of their repetition energy into this, that slow kind of ballady, more piano than anything else kind of uh, style, and then really leaned into the the vocal performance, I think they'd really have a really, really cool version of this song. For sure. That's a cool one. Very good. All right, let's get to our playlist. This is where we uh, pick five or six songs that we would add to one of their myriad greatest hits albums these guys have so many there's no way that we we can't stay away from any of them but luckily uh, luckily for you yeah because you pick one. Oh, i'm sure i did i'm guessing that first one is right <laughs> yeah i didn't realize until we were when i was reading this that oh really lay all your love on me was a hit <laughs> all right fine uh but that is my first one yeah i never knew they didn't have a cover so when i'm listening to this album and and you hear those opening strains of of lay all your love on me super excited and that was just album number one so i didn't know there was all of this great stuff to come uh so super happy about that abba and star uh, trek abba and star trek what else could a person ask for <laughs> right a spice girls cover <laughs> when, what, uh, when are they coming out with that that's what i want what i really really want the next one comes from the hack album it was seek 2000 funny my notes just say wow this is excellent 
the the baseline on it is what I remember like really really digging. Like it's got a very cool from a band that does cool bass lines. It's got a very very cool bass line that's even more so than the than their usual uh, cool bass line. Yeah, dug that. Dug that enough to where I just wrote a simple note in there and forgot what I meant by it. Uh, number three is going to come from Orders of Magnitude. Listen, it takes a takes a, a a band, a really unusual band, to cover Blamange. I think it's Blamange, uh, Man in the Dark Sedan. This is this was such a come out of left field. Let's see, I'm looking it up because I want to make sure. I I oh no, Snake mode. Finger, Snake Finger, Man Snake Finger. Okay, sedan. right. Okay, yeah. What, oh no, um, wait, what Duran? What did Duran Duran do about uh, dark sedans? That chauffeur, uh, the chauffeur. Okay, yeah, yeah chauffeur. Okay. Sorry, really mixing That's things right. up, but I'll yes, cut all that are. out. Oh no! Please keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> now the what's what's wild is you see this music video like I saw it on a documentary about Rhino Records back in the day, and it was talking about bands that were influences or influenced the Residents. Uh, this weird band of of dudes that do this avant garde music. They wear eyeballs and top hats uh, on their heads. Mm-hmm. And one of the bands they talked about was Snakefinger. And this great song called Man in the Dark Sedan features like a bunch of slaves pulling this sedan that the uh, the lead singer is in. It's like road warrior looking kind of stuff. You know, these uh, these people all like pulling this sedan down a, down a street. And there's a dude with rubber snakes on his fingers running around it. I mean, it is the most bizarre video ever. Uh, something like 1983 or 82. And I thought, well, no one's ever going to hear of that weird thing again. And sure enough, Information Society records a cover of it and it's damn good. This was a a ringtone on my phone for a long long time. Seek this video out. Seek out the Snake Finger video if you want to just be perplexed at what you're watching for three and a half minutes. Uh, Next one, next two of them actually come from the Synthesizer album, which was, was... my my second favorite album of theirs, the cover album being the, the first favorite. Uh, first song from it that I dug was Runaway. I was not expecting a duet with female vocals. Uh, from an Information Society album, but I got it and I loved it and I'm so glad they did it. Uh, second one is This Way Tonight. I got a feeling that is taking over minus reeling and I can't define the need but it's in my way. I got time to take what is mine. You are it. I know we can't fit. Was that also did we did I say that that was a single? Mm. Um, that came up when we were talking about synthesizer. What did it come up? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, no, I guess it didn't. No. 
Never mind. Um, this way tonight, uh, another song that came from Synthesizer and just blew me away. Yeah, that that album is my you know is is in my go to playlist now. Just like pulling stuff from that album. So outside of outside of orders of magnitude, outside of orders of magnitude, which is obvious. I mean, that's going to be you know my favorite album of theirs just because of the content. But look, this album was all originals, and I loved it. And yeah. it's called Synthesizer. <laughs> Hammond, tell me about your picks. All right, so I'm going to start off by saying I the first song on my list actually prompted me to go watch uh, what's it called Street Gang. It's a hmm. documentary about Sesame Street. And I oh, really? just finished. It's on HBO Max and it's fan freaking tastic. Huh. Okay. Cool. So the first song I picked is Capital I. song has been one of my favorite songs from the Sesame Street collection of music <laughs> for uh, years. Yeah. And then when, I, when you played a cover of it by these guys on TMS one day, and then I bought Orders of Magnitude, and the only reason we're doing this is so I could talk about Capital I. <laughs> is that really what it came yeah. down to? No, it really, it really, the reason I suggested Information Society is so we could talk Star Trek references and I could talk about Capital I. Okay. Well, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, and I know you wanted to put this on your list and I beat you to it. Which you is why beat you, me to it. You like, you scrambled and you put it on there like before I even had a chance. I finished, before I finished the notes, it was already in the list. <laughs> it's fine. And man. we've established how long ago I wrote the notes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that is your, that is uh, your perk for doing such a great job writing all the notes. You get, you, I'm totally fine with you doing that. Uh, my next one is room 1904 from Oddfellows. like the structure and arrangement and it reminded me of a pet shop boys tune mm. it was incredibly pet shop boysy in the vocal delivery and well, then uh, my third one is jonestown from hello world and i said this is a huge dance tune named after a mass suicide cult nice work information yeah. society such a weird one like oh really about a song about jonestown okay yeah all right and it's a huge dance tune like if you were you know tripping balls on the dance floor you'd never know Mm -hmm. yeah i can't believe i just said tripping balls on the show tripping balls (laughs) and then uh my fourth is can't get enough from synthesizer Here for. 
This entire album is like a trip, a chip tune trip down vintage synth, synth lane. Is it a, a trip or a chip down memory lane? Yes, it really was. Very, very well played. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And I really enjoyed this one in particular, though. This was, it was not totally chip tuny because yeah. after a while that gets a little hard and old to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. But it was enough chip tune to make you realize they were doing chip tuny things, but there was enough deep kind of musical foundation underneath it that it was still really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I, like you, I think I really enjoyed Synthesizer a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good album. And then my last one is Running from the self-titled album. This might be a hit. Uh, we played this a ton at the Ivy Tower Dance Club when I worked there, but I had to show some love for the first album, and it played in a significant. That whole album played a significant role in my musical landscape of my freshman year of college. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was. It's uh, that that thing was on all the time in my dorms. Either I was playing it or somebody else was. That listen like thieves. Mm, um, such a good album. Uh, Appetite for Destruction. All those songs. All those songs are just permanently ingrained in my brain for the dorm I was living in. <laughs> Very cool. Well, that um, uh, th- you know that shows how much we really just enjoyed uh the band. Like hearing stuff that, at least for me, didn't know half of these albums existed. I knew I knew the bookends. They're not really bookends because they've had newer stuff since. Orders of magnitude, but um, uh, they're great. And and um, some other covers they've done, by the way, uh, uh, they did Prince's Controversy. They've done Express Yourself by Madonna and One by U2. Oh, wow. And, so uh, I bought, I remember buying Hack when it came out. Cause I'm like, oh, Information Society has a new album out. Really? And I thought uh-huh. it was cool looking because it had the police car. It was all kind of worked over looking on yeah. it and I'm like, yeah. oh, cool. And I put it on and I kept waiting for the, the, the pure energy and the lay all your love on me and the repetition and the running and it never came. No. And it all felt yeah. kind of disjointed. And I was like, what the hell happened to information society? Yeah. Which is too bad. Cause, uh, uh, so groundbreaking, but, um, and that's when I decided to go back to art of noise because they did everything that, I wanted them to do to fill that <laughs> Everything hole. that you wanted Information Society to do, Art of Noise was doing. So yeah. yep. Yeah. Uh no, they're 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 back in my um, you know, check them out list if they come out with something. I don't want to say good graces because <laughs> they never were out of my good graces, but but um they're back on my on my windscreen. No, what's the back on my radar? Radar. Jeez Louise, why couldn't I come up with that word? Yeah, they're back on my radar. So when they come out with something new, I'll get notified about it and check it out. And you'll yell, choppers. <laughs> choppers, everybody. Everybody head to the mess hall. Uh, very good. Well, our next band, this is one of my favorites. And um, uh, this is me kind of introducing them, hopefully, to Hammond. A band called Manic Street Preachers. They've got a very sad history. Um, but then they've got a very, very, um, boy, lyrically, a very, very charged sometimes politically, sometimes just charged um, approach. 
And I am excited to introduce uh, Hammond and uh, maybe some listeners to the band, Manic Street Preachers. It's hard to be introduced when you've already filled up four of your five slots. <laughs> have I? Yeah. Darn right I have. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I, you know, you didn't, you didn't beat me to any of these, Hammond. I'm just going to say it right now. I got those in. And by the way, we're uh, going to have a conversation about how we built the playlist for uh, episode number 136. Because there's not a lot to pull from there. Oh, there is. I mean, there's four albums, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think if, it's less than, if it's less than a certain number of albums, we can figure out what that number is, then all bets are off as far as the greatest hits. Okay, I say not. five. Five or less. Five albums? Yeah. I'm with that. I'm good. Okay. Because I, I, I don't think we could pull without Venn diagramming our selections. Right. We may as well just pick the entire catalog if we're going to do that. Because we have to pull 10 songs from a band that that may only have 40 songs. Yes, exactly. 12 of which are hits. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, will we count? All right, here's a question. For episode 136, will we count solo stuff? I didn't do the research on that. Uh, I could, we could, and I could add stuff to it. Um, I don't mind if you don't include solo stuff in the notes but i might pull i might pull some you know some solo tracks from a couple of yeah because heaven is a place on earth i won't pull that song (laughs) 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 but jane wheedlin released some really cool solo stuff um she sang with the sparks too i learned she didn't learn but i I relearned you relearned yes because you saw it in a recent documentary that we'll be talking about on the next uh, patreon Patreon thing. Cool. All right. Uh, well, that is going to do it for this edition of uh, Soundography. If you want to get in touch with us, well, here's how you do it. You can either email us, uh, soundographypodcast at gmail.com. You could go follow us on Twitter and tell us what you like in 280 characters or less. You can visit soundography.com and post your comments in uh, the show notes. We allow those as well. Those uh, show notes also contain links to the Spotify playlist. They contain a link to where you can buy some of the music. Um, and and uh, what else? Spotify playlist, links to music, and that's it. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash soundography and throwing us a buck or two. You get cool swag in the mail at uh, one or two times a year, a year, and you also get additional great audio content. And you get things early, too. And you get episodes early. Yes, for sure. Uh, that is going to do it. Ham, anything to close us out? No, I'm really glad we did this. I, it's one of the ones where, like, we, our pathways walked together for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the ones where we really are, like, in total agreement on how we feel and what we enjoyed. I think it's a really good way of putting it. Plus, it was a nice break after uh, Tori Amos. Yeah, Tori Amos was, was great, but I just got a lot of brain power. It was a heavy week, man. Yeah. It was a heavy, heavy week, and we didn't need that again. Yeah, let's let's not do like uh, Suzanne Vega and Sinead O'Connor back to back. That would be horrible. No, that would be horrible. <laughs> Although both both would produce some nice covers for Information Society. <laughs> uh, that is going to do it. So, on behalf of Hammond Chamberlain, this is Brian Abbott saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography.
is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. <laughs>